And that's why I kicked your leg out of your leg. You will rest in peace. Basketballs don't hold grudges. He got a bicycle. Welcome to the WrestleCube. This is episode 2.5, I would say. It's a sort of mini episode. Um, we are planning to get together again next week and talk a bit more about uh, a few different things, including AEW and NWA Power, which I'm enjoying very much at the moment. Um, but just to keep your appetites uh, sated, I thought I'd do a little something just myself, um, just to kind of, yeah, keep you up to date with some bits and pieces. Um uh, I should probably introduce myself in case you've never listened to this before. I don't know why you would be starting on episode 2.5, but if you've decided to do that, welcome. Uh, my name is Tom Mimner, um, and yeah, this is the WrestleCube. Um, so, you know, um, I've been watching a lot of AEW, WWE, uh, NWA. Uh, there is a lot of wrestling out there at the moment. However, what I want to talk about today is New Japan Pro Wrestling, because New Japan Pro Wrestling made... A fairly unexpected announcement um, just sort of earlier in the week there, which I do feel like I want to talk to about a little bit. So, short, well, a little bit of backstory. Um, and, of course, I should say I am not an expert on New Japan. Uh, I follow it sort of fairly closely. But there are other podcasts out there which I would recommend very highly that can give you a bit more of an in-depth and insightful kind of look at New Japan in a wider sense because they look at it all the time and specifically that. So you've got uh, Post Perezu uh, for um, at postwrestling.com with um, WH Park and John Pollock. Uh, you also have uh, the Super J cast with uh, Joel and Damon. Um, uh, who are great guys, and well, I say I say they are great guys. I uh, I, I know Joel reasonably well, but I, I've never met Damon, obviously. Um, but um, yeah, uh, they are fantastic at what they do, um, and a really great resource for anybody who wants to know anything really about New Japan. Um, for me personally, I just wanted to, in more general terms, talk about what it means in to the wrestling landscape because. Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, have announced the launch of New Japan Pro Wrestling of the USA. So essentially a US brand extension, if you want to call it that, uh, into the US. They're opening an office there alongside the LA Dojo, which already exists, and kind of, yeah, look to be expanding. It's a strange one because, well, firstly, because they have a strategic partnership with Ring of Honor, or they certainly did until now. Um, but as we all saw at the MSG Super Show between with the two brands there, uh, ROH and NJPW, it certainly felt as though that was really a New Japan card with ROH kind of tagged on. Uh, and there's a real gulf in star power between the two. So, yeah, I mean, this has been coming, but I didn't really expect it to be a separate brand in the US, which is an odd thing. But, you know, it's it's what they've decided to do um, and the way they've decided to go about this. So, I mean, you know, it's understandable, but um, it's a bit of a weird one. Uh, apparently, talent will be 
continuing uh, to do the Japanese shows. There'll be no reduction in Japanese shows as a result of this, but talent from NJPW will be going to the US brand in between tours, which is odd. Um, I mean, I imagine what probably this actually translates to is a few of their stars will go back and forth between the two. They'll hire a lot of US-based talent. Any of the talent they have that is US-based will probably be doing more work. And yeah, I mean, as a fan, it means more wrestling, which is great. Obviously, you can never have enough. Um, However, it does also mean that you have to imagine New Japan are going to be attempting to hire more US-based talent. Now, there is already a bidding war for pretty much any free agent on the market between WWE, AEW, Ring of Honor, uh, I mean, to a lesser extent, Impact as well. And with New Japan entering the fray, it really does feel like, you know, it's it's definitely a wrestler's market. But also, the it's really, you know, might be slightly oversaturated, the, the whole market at this stage in the US, because there are so many big companies now. And I don't know if there's an ability for them all to coexist. I mean, I worry if I was NWA, I would worry about this because a lot of their talent, I imagine, is not under exclusive deals and probably are going to be looking, you know, uh, uh, to to be guys the New Japan might look at to fill out their roster if they're going to have a US-based roster as well. Um, it's interesting. I wonder if New Japan maybe left it a bit too late for this. I think there was a window there before AEW launched where had they done this they would have had great success and been a genuine competitor to competitor to uh, WWE. However, having done, having waited this long, there isn't a lot of space in that market and there is a lot of wrestling every week and I don't know how much of an impact NJPW will have and whether this is likely to, you know, further dwindle the fortunes of the likes of Ring of Honor uh, I presume both companies have severed ties now and, you know, that's going to be that going forward. It's just really interesting. I think it certainly feels like New Japan are making moves. Um, just recently, they also uh, bought Stardom, which is the the probably the premier uh, Joshi, uh, so women's wrestling company in Japan. It's really interesting because obviously... NJPW have been staunchly against the idea of having female wrestlers on NJPW shows, which is fine. You know, it's a traditional thing. It's a cultural thing in Japan. And for which or whatever reason, you know, take your pick. It's not something I'm an expert on. I've been to Japan once. It was great, but I don't have, uh, you know, the expertise to tell you the exact reasons why, you know, Bushi Road, who own New Japan, have decided that. But now Bushi Road have bought Stardom. So they're owned by the same parent company. You would imagine there is a certain element of cross-pollination between those two planned for the future. There are those that allege that perhaps that WWE was attempting to buy stardom and this was a move on Bushi Road's part to try and head off the competition. Now, WWE have been rumoured to be trying to set up NXT Japan for quite some time, much in the same way they've done with uh, NXT UK. And... I don't know whether that's actually going to happen. I'm not really sure. Um, it, it, it seems likely with this sort of... Uh, I can't remember the term that Triple H used in the press conference there last year. I think it was global localization. I think it was the term. Which is an interesting attempt for them to get a foothold in different markets. And I do understand that. Japan was always going to be a difficult one. 
with New Japan being as strong as they are, I expect if WWE were after stardom, if they didn't manage to get it, they'll buy something else. Now, whether that's Pro Wrestling Noah, whether that's Sendai Girls, I don't know. They'll certainly be looking at getting a foothold in that market if that's what they really want to do, because they are a global juggernaut, and I don't think you can stop them, really. Um, But certainly, yeah, it looks like New Japan are really trying to fortify what they have and expand, and they've taken this as an opportunity to do it. Um, Partly, though, it's an interesting time for them to be doing that when I would say interest in their product is perhaps not at an all-time high. Um, Well, certainly not this side of the... Well, this side of the Atlantic, Pacific, whichever way you're going to go with that, um, depending on where you're listening to this from. Uh, certainly here in England, actually, I say that, but Royal Quest was, in fact, uh, a huge success for them. So, yeah, maybe that maybe that's uh, over-egging the pudding there on my part slightly. Um, I would say, in Japan, it must be doing great guns because they are expanding the Tokyo Dome shows from just Wrestle Kingdom to two nights, and then they're going to the, the Ota Ward Gymnasium uh, the following night. So, you know, which in itself is not a tiny venue. Um, yeah, so they certainly must be confident that they are going to be able to fill those venues and continue to, you know, to kind of push forward. Um, it's interesting when you look at their roster, though. For me, this isn't the largest amount of star power they've had on that roster, you know, in recent years. I think this is not necessarily New Japan at their peak. I mean, Okada obviously is still the rainmaker, but I think this title run hasn't quite had the same luster to it that the uh, the title run uh, where he made the record number of defenses had. Uh, the one that was, en- you know, you have no elite, you don't have Omega and the Bucks who were big draws. There isn't, you know, Switchblade Jay White. I think he's really good, but I don't know that actually he's quite as big a draw as perhaps some people would like him to be. I'm not sure that he is necessarily the kind of top foreign heel that they need. Um, John Moxley was obviously a big shot in the arm for them, but that's seemingly over now. So, I mean, now that he's going back, AEW's launched on TV, I can't see him go back to New Japan for a little while unless it's a one-off. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I do think that their roster, for to do a two-night show... Is, is is quite thin although they are setting up this sort of mini tournament situation where we know that Kota Ibushi is challenging Okada on the first night of uh, Wrestle Kingdom with the idea that although not explicitly announced that the IC title would be defended on night one as well and then I think the winners would face off the following night uh, in a sort of winner take all scenario uh, which I imagine means there's a very good chance you're getting either Okada or... Well, you're, you're of course getting either Okada or Obushi the following night. But I wonder if Tetsuya Naito ends up in the mix here. And it would be really interesting if Ibushi doesn't win the uh, the match against Okada, which I think pretty much everyone is expecting him to, and they decide to go with Okada and Naito on night two, especially considering the past between the two of them at the Tokyo Dome and the very, very long-term storyline that you have surrounding that match going all the way back to I think it's 2013 for Wrestle Kingdom 9 so uh, yeah like there is a lot to unpack there it's interesting and certainly you know if you're Naito is you know I'm not saying he's getting on by any stretch of the imagination but 
he is not a spring chicken either. And he has got two always heavily taped knees, a litany of other injuries that I imagine we don't even know about. And you have to imagine that if they're going to make the, give him a run as their top star, it's going to be soon. And I have to imagine it's 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 now or never, really, to a certain degree. Um, you know, LIJ are comfortably the, the only real kind of heavy-duty faction left in NJPW. So, I mean, yeah, it seems like an opportune time to do that. But then do you abandon the big Kota Ibushi push for that? I guess you could go for Ibushi versus Naito on the... Uh, the uh on night two which you know is is great although i do worry that they might kill each other on such a big stage because they've they've damn near tried so far when they've had matches but yeah it's hard to say i don't really know how that's all gonna pan out um it's really intriguing though but when you go outside of those four you know if we're including switchblade jay white in that and I really hope that they are not thinking of going the full distance with him. Hopefully they recognise that would be a very unpopular decision. I don't know that there's that much depth underneath that. Partially because they haven't really committed to Will Ospreay or Shingo Takagi moving up from the junior division. They've kind of tested the waters a little bit, but both guys are kind of there and thereabouts. We still don't know whether Hiromi Takahashi's coming back. I mean, I, I presume so at some point, but... It, no, there's no, you know, from from what I gather, he's fit and healthy again, but there doesn't seem to be any kind of information available about what's happening with him. So, yeah, it, it's it's a really interesting time for New Japan. They're at a sort of fork in the road, and I think they need something to get some more buzz going, because I think certainly the product, as it always does this time of year, feels a bit lacklustre. I always find that after the G1, everything sort of feels like it's sort of, instead of hyping towards the interest towards Wrestle Kingdom, it sort of cools off a bit for me. And, you know, everyone gets excited again in December, but, you know, you've got the Junior Tag League and World Tag League and King of Pro Wrestling is normally all right, which it was this year. It's pretty decent, um, but pretty predictable at the same time. Um, Power Struggle is I'm unlikely to yield any major surprises. It's just, yeah, you know, it's almost as if, you know, you can skip... If you're a casual fan, you could watch the G1 and then pretty much skip to Wrestle Kingdom without missing much. And I think that is a real problem. That's pretty much half a year that you don't have to watch New Japan. It's almost like an off-season if you're a casual fan. And, you know, obviously you are missing out on some really top-quality wrestling, which is, you know, a shame. But I think... For their own sake, New Japan really need to look at that in the future about how they can maintain interest during that those kind of autumn and winter months leading up to Japan uh, to January. It's yeah, it's a very interesting time for them, and especially as it looks like they're also going to do two nights in June for Dominion, which is again is one of their other big temple events for the year. Will they? You know, how are they going to be able to promote two nights in a stadium? I mean, all right, it's not the Tokyo Dome, but, you know, Osaka Joe Hall is still pretty sizable. How are they going to be able to to fill that for two nights unless they've got something really quite strong? I don't know. It's it's definitely an interesting time for New Japan, and uh, I think there's a lot of interesting possibilities. I also hope that somewhere down... Well, this is the thing. I had hoped that they might strike up a working relationship with AEW somewhere down the road, but this move into the US certainly signals to me that they're not looking to partner up with anyone. 
You know, they're abandoning the partnerships they have. They're not looking to make new ones. So it's interesting to see how that goes, especially, you know, the likes of Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega apparently in their AEW contracts have it written in that they can do some New Japan dates, you know, while still being, as long as it doesn't conflict with their AEW dates. And I do wonder, you know, kind of what, what impetus there is for AEW to allow them to do those dates, to give them the sign-off, if, you know, they are going up against a competitor. I mean, look, John Moxley wasn't allowed to work the first night of the G1 because it was in the US. So, you know, if they're going to be funny about that, they're not going to be, and understandably, Tony Khan is not going to want to let his talent go and work on shows that are essentially direct competitors. It doesn't stand to reason. So, I don't know. I have a feeling this New Japan-US thing might be not only too late, but also a touch ill-advised, if I'm honest, I think. But, you know, I guess if you want to fire back at WWE, this is how you do it. Um, But is there too much wrestling? That's the question. And I think that is why I've enjoyed NWA Power quite so much. It's a really easy, digestible, one-hour show... And it doesn't require a lot of investment in time or in terms of attention. It just, it flies by. Um, They really have created something that actually, it's such a throwback to a bygone age. You know, there's no no music, for example. And it's all self-contained within a studio. And there are, you know, a few interviews and vignettes, but they're all done in a way that feels very... It's sort of high, low, high budget, if that makes sense. It, the production values are fantastic, but it feels quite basic. But that's not a bad thing. In a world where, you know, everything feels overproduced, especially WWE these days, it's a real great palate cleanser, you know, to have something quite so different. And I think that does make quite a big difference to, to you know, your average fan as well. I mean, I certainly find that it's much more enjoyable being able to watch an hour-long show it's something that i think nxt has suffered from in some respects although you know the shows are still really good since they moved to usa the two-hour runtime is still quite hefty and it's it does mean there's filler on these shows whereas an hour it's all killer there's no filler there's no fat on an episode of nwa power thus far three episodes in and everything's felt important you know even the squash matches that which are there to get talent over they still feel important because they're followed up by a promo and you do get a sense of, you know, who you should be watching, why it's important. And they're slowly but surely starting to weave these feuds together and you're getting an idea of, uh, you know, who are going to be the main players. And yeah, sure, it's not the most inspiring talent in the world. Nick Aldis, I know, is not loved by everyone, but he's a very solid champion for NWA. Tim Storm, again, you know, 50-year-old school teacher shouldn't probably be the, you know, one of the tent poles for a, you know, a major US promotion. And yet, yet, he's one of the best characters in wrestling at this point. And it's, it's just a really interesting setup, the way they've gone about that. So yeah, I, I would highly recommend watching NWA Power. It's free on YouTube, so, you know, it costs you nothing to give it a whirl. Um, and yeah, um, the next time you hear me talking, hopefully... Uh, will be myself and uh, Daniel uh, and prob- well, who knows who else? Who knows who else will join us? We'll leave that to be a surprise. Could be someone. Could be no one. Who knows? Could be 
a cat. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, we're going to be talking about the first kind of few weeks of AEW, how that settled down. I'm going to get Daniel's thoughts on NWA Power. Uh, we're also going to have a look at Crown Jewel because I think it's important that we talk about it. You know, I know not everyone is happy about it for very good reasons. Uh, everyone ha- has reservations about this whole Saudi deal, uh, given, you know, the controversy about the government and everything. We will get into that to a certain degree, you know, um, on the next episode. But um, it's certainly something that bears talking about. But then, you know, if you can take that the event in isolation, there's also a lot to talk about surrounding, you know, Tyson Fury, you know, the lineal heavyweight boxing champion, uh, which is a title that means absolutely nothing um you know he is uh he's making his wrestling debut uh Cain Velasquez obviously former UFC world heavyweight champion is making his WWE debut not exactly his pro wrestling debut but you know certainly his, his third match is getting a WWE title shot um which you know for, for right or wrong that is happening um yeah and I think there's quite a lot to unpack on that front as well so We'll certainly be looking into all of that. Um, yeah, I mean, that is, that's that's probably pretty much everything I wanted to kind of hit on in this mini-episode. Um, yeah, the, the, obviously the WrestleCube is something that we do for, for the love of the game. Uh, <laughs> we do it in our spare time. So it is something that, you know, real life does get in the way, you know, uh, family and work and stuff and Brexit, unfortunately. Um, so... It does mean that, you know, sometimes the gaps between these episodes will be a bit more sporadic, especially between the the main episodes. But I will keep trying to put out these mini episodes where I can uh, to kind of give you just 20 minutes or so of me droning on at you uh, about, you know, one particular subject or something I've been interested in this week. Um, You know, how they've destroyed The Fiend, maybe, as a gimmick. (laughs) We'll have to see. Uh, as it stands, uh, we've not really seen or heard much of the fiend since uh, uh, Seth Rollins burnt down the Firefly Funhouse on Raw, which was all kinds of problematic in terms of storytelling tropes and uh, narrative devices. But fine, whatever. Uh, but apparently, they are resurrecting it on SmackDown this week, so we'll have to see how that goes. I'm sure we'll discuss that uh, on the next episode. Um, and yeah, um, hopefully, also looking forward, we'll be looking at some kind of concept episodes, maybe maybe looking at some films with wrestlers in it, maybe looking at some past events. I don't know, kind of whatever whatever seems like it might be a fun thing to do because hopefully this is fun for you. It's certainly fun for me and yeah, we'll leave it there. Uh, so I guess just, just left for me to say, you know, as always, um, you can check out our Twitter at uh, twitter.com slash, well, Slash. Does anyone do that? So we're we're at WrestleCube on Twitter, uh, Facebook.com slash WrestleCube. Uh, we're on Instagram as at WrestleCube. Uh, there's nothing really posted there, but I'm going to have a look in a few cupboards in my house this week and see if I can find a few interesting tidbits uh, from wrestling history. Uh, I think I might have something something that might be interesting for you all. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, and yeah. Um, you can also always soundcloud.com slash WrestleCube for all of the latest uh, and I say greatest, but, you know, results may vary. <laughs> Ideally, the, the main episodes are obviously a, a lot more entertaining than just listening to just listening to me. Um, but certainly, yeah, we'll um, 
Uh, you can you can follow us in all the usual places. Hopefully, by the time the next episode is up, we will be looking at uh, getting on some of the pro- uh, podcast providing platforms. I'm just still just working that out. We're growing this very slowly, so you know, just stick with us. Stay along for the ride. Right, I'll leave you there. Uh, so, as always, remember: don't be a square, be a wrestle cube. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>